I looked over my list. After 38 years of life, my list of sins, the ones I could recall anyway, had grown lengthy. As I sat waiting for my turn to have my first confession, reading and rereading these embarrassing, humiliating things, the thought went through my mind and seemed to settle there. Is this who I am? Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life, where each day we offer encouragement and inspiration for your walk with Jesus today, along with our excellent spiritual directors. I'm Patrick Conley. So finally, my turn came. I swallowed hard and entered the confessional, opting to sit face to face with my confessor. The confession began, and I started reading aloud my list of sins. I had followed my RCIA director's advice and put the most embarrassing ones first. As I owned up to these things, my voice shook and my face grew red. I couldn't look up. But, thank God, I kept reading. I kept confessing. And before I knew it, I had reached the end. But the relief I felt in getting through the list paled in comparison to the ecstatic joy and bubbly lightness that settled in as I heard those unshackling words for the very first time, I absolve you from your sins. I left the confessional on cloud nine, which was only exacerbated by my RCIA director standing there and with a smile saying, right back to baptismal purity. The guilt and shame I had felt in preparing my list leading up to the confession beginning was palpable. I've had many confessions since, and most of them carry some weighty sense of guilt with them. Sometimes, too, I still find myself tempted to think, is this who I am? Well, today on The Inner Life, we're discussing navigating guilt and shame. Are they helps or hindrances to your life of faith? How much should you be attentive to them? And how much is too much? Joining us as our first-time spiritual director today is Father Alan Hoffa. Father Hoffa is a priest of the Diocese of Allentown, Pennsylvania, where he serves as the pastor of Holy Guardian Angels Parish in Reading. Father Hoffa, pleasure to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Patrick. So glad to be with you and all the listeners, and I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to, to be on the show today. Absolutely. We're Delighted to have you. And since this is your first time on the program, why don't you give us a little, like a brief autobiography here? Tell us about yourself, Father. Absolutely. So I was ordained a priest for the Diocese of Allentown back in 2009. So 14 years uh, in ministry, praise be God. And over that time, I've been blessed to serve in so many capacities within our diocese and outside. Um, I've been a parochial vicar, uh, chaplain of a high school, a Catholic high school, uh, Catholic chaplain at a large university uh, here in our diocese, Lehigh University. And also, I was the director of our office for youth and young adult ministry for two years. I've served um, on our council of priests, uh, MC to our bishop. Uh, to all three of our our three most recent bishops, um, wow. I have been. Yeah, the the list is 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 crazy. Um, but <laughs> the most like recent it. thing um, that has been a, a, an incredible blessing was back in 2016 when I came was coming to the end of my sort of first stint in high school. My second stint was actually as the lead administrator in in one of our Catholic high schools. 
but in 2016 was coming to the end and uh, some guys who have really become friends uh, through an organization called Stewardship, a mission of faith uh, based out of Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania here said that they were developing a, a sub ministry within their family of ministries called Integrity Restored. Mm-hmm. And it was going to take on headfirst the issue of pornography. Yeah. And uh, having worked in uh, high school for seven years and seeing the effects that it had on so many of my kids and how this was becoming an ever-growing issue for so many people at every age level, um, the invitation to get involved was right there. And what snowballed from that was, at that time, our vicar general, uh, be, who then became our bishop, was right behind it. And he was right behind me and our now Bishop, Bishop Alfred Schlert, uh, has been a true champion. And so not only has he afforded me time as I serve now as a pastor, uh, as you said, of Holy Guardian Angels Parish, I chair our diocesan commission uh, for uh, against pornography called the Lumen Christi Commission here in the Diocese of Allentown. And then I work uh, what is now becoming an international work with Integrity Restored. And I have just been blessed to be on this journey and work in this ministry and help so many um, and continue to educate so many on the pervasiveness of this awful, awful scourge in 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 the world. Wow. Well, that's uh, amazing, an amazing calling that you've had even thus far in your priesthood and in your ministerial yeah. life, Father. Wow. And you and yet you've taken time to be with us on The Inner Life today. We are so grateful for that and uh, grateful for all of your work against pornography as well as uh, just serving the people there at Holy Guardian Angels Parish as well. And maybe, um, I mean, obviously there's... Uh, well, there's a lot of guilt and shame that can surround the usage of pornography as well as all sin. So maybe that's the place to start, Father. Let's just start by defining sin. How did, how how is sin defined for for we Catholics? Well, let's start with you know, I I think one of the things we that's so important for us is to go to those source documents and to be able to sure. look at uh the simple definitions. So when you look at the catechism, um it says this Sin is an offense against reason, truth, and right conscience. It's a failure in genuine love for God and neighbor caused by a, per, a perverse attachment to uh, uh, to certain goods. And, you know, one of the things that you pick out certain words in there that, that pop out, you know, it's first that, that word offense. You know, we all know what it's like to to feel offended by what someone does or what someone says. And we have been ordered in such a way by God, the the beautiful gift of our soul and that our conscience, that we are ordered toward the good um, in love, in relationship. And we make these these choices to do something against that uh, for a multitude of reasons. But we do something that isn't an offense to that. Mm. And I think the other thing when you look at that thing is that there are certain good there are goods that are out there in the world and we can either use them for good or we can use them for sin yeah. we can use them for something that causes that offense against god or against another so i i think that that gives us a good springboard for that reality of sin uh that you know we all poor sinners uh that we encounter and that also others sins affect us mm. 
And I, I think that's a very important point, too, that, that uh, there are goods that are out there that, uh, yeah, it's, as the catechism says, it's a perverse attachment to certain goods. And so it's not that these things in and of themselves may be inherently bad, but there's, uh, we just have, we're misusing them, we're abusing them in certain ways. And that's an offense, as the catechism says, against reason, against truth, and against right conscience. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> That's a great jumping off point for our our discussion today about navigating guilt and shame. That's what we're talking about today here on The Inner Life. Our spiritual director joining us for the first time is Father Alan Hoffa. Have you ever experienced shame for your sin? How did you navigate that? If you're currently experiencing shame, do you have any questions for Father about it? And uh, what's good, what's bad, what should be avoided, and how to get out of any unhealthy amount of shame that is being that is coming up in your personal spiritual life? Give us a call. Join the conversation. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Again, eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And I should mention, too, if you wish to remain anonymous, either on the phone or in the email, you certainly may do so. Well, Father, we're as we're talking about guilt and shame, uh, for some, these words seem to be interchangeable. But th- is there a difference between guilt and shame? That is exactly the right question. And if there's one thing that I've found in my ministry as a priest in the confessional, uh, working with every age level, and especially it's been heightened in this work that I do in the ministry of battling against pornography, is there is a, a liberating understanding when people understand that there is a difference. And, and here's the simple sort of distinction that I make. Guilt is about what we've done. Shame is about who we are. Mm-hmm. And so often that gets intertwined that what I do is who I am. I can remember so many times, you know, speaking to especially young people at youth rallies and at, you know, preparing for confessions within the context of our high school and just reminding them that what they do does not define them. None of us wants to be defined by our worst sin. None none of us wants to be identified by that which we've done that's wrong. Right. Therefore, we have the sacrament of reconciliation. Thanks be to God and his beautiful grace uh, that is there to assist us. But so often for our young people, especially, they they see that they have that one moment. And if they ever mess up that one moment to stay pristine in the eyes of adults, once that is marred, it, they are seen that way forever. Uh-huh. And it, it, is, it is that understanding of you, we want you to stay resolute in doing the right thing and doing the good. However... All of us should look at the other and view ourselves in the way that God does, which is first and foremost that we were made good. And that cannot change because we can't change what God has done. He has made us good. And therefore, we can distort the relationship that we have. We can distance ourselves from God. We can distance ourselves from others. We can distance ourselves from ourselves through sin. However, the inherent reality of who we are as a human being as a child of God as a son or as a daughter of God that doesn't that doesn't change where shame does the exact opposite of what should be happening shame comes in and it starts to make that distortion in our mind in our heart that I I am different I'm unlovable mm-hmm. uh, I, I I no longer um, am a child of God 
uh, God, God couldn't, nor could anyone, if God can't, then no one else could want to be in a loving relationship with me. And one of the things that that does is that turns us more towards sin because it turns the person into themselves. And this is where certain sins that are out there that people are struggling with become so much more pervasive uh, because they feel that there's no more human connection out there. There's not a connection to God because their understanding of who they are has changed. So mm-hmm. shame is is that d- distortion and that destruction of the identity of who I am. Now, guilt on the other side is about what I've done, and that's healthy. Now, we get into those different levels. You know, you hear all the different people talk about, you know, like some good old Catholic mom guilt and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there are those, <laughs> those different things, you know, where yeah. you can – you feel guilty about what you've done and no one even has to say anything. It's it's the look. Or here's the thing. A well-formed conscience is going to bring us that guilt because we know that we did something that we shouldn't. Mm. But what it does is – it propels us into bringing remedy to that, into, you know, overcoming that, whatever the case may be. And it is with that understanding that I can overcome this because it is something that I've chosen to do. It's something that is is a part of me, but it is not me. Mm-hmm. And that's why the conflating of shame and guilt is so, so dangerous. And we really need to keep them separated. Yeah. Yeah. It's an excellent point, Father. And man, you brought up so many things that I want to talk about. I want to ask yeah. about certainly uh, the whole idea of Catholic guilt. But I think even before that, I want to ask specifically um, about, you know, with just considering the word guilt in and of itself, that we are, as sinners, are guilty. I mean, uh, of guilty of committing sin, right? So guilt, in a sense, is is an objective standard. But at the same time, um, there are these feelings of guilt that I suppose arise primarily out of a well-formed conscience. And it seems to me like our society these days, that's one of their ways of dealing with guilt, is essentially to recommend uh, malforming your conscience. I mean, is to say, you know, well, um, what you need to do is recognize it's not all that bad or nobody's holding you to the standard anymore and et cetera, et cetera. But that seems to be one of the main things that we run into in our wider world today. Would you agree with that, Father? Oh, absolutely. You know, when we talk about the pervasiveness of, for instance, of moral relativism um, and all of that, it is just, it is that entryway to say, well, I can lessen this. It's almost like a person who, you know, gets pulled over. The law says that you are to drive X amount of miles per hour. And the, the, officer pulls you over because you were driving 35 and a 25. Right. And so the officer comes to the window and says, do you know that you were speeding? And the person says, yes, but I know I was speeding, but these are all the reasons why you should let it pass that it should be okay for me to abandon the law, break the law, you know, because I have these justifications. Mm. And so that's when, when people start to mitigate those things, it starts to lessen the guilt where guilt can, again, in, in the person should propel us. It's almost like the thing of getting your, when people say, if you pick yourself back up again, Guilt is there to say, okay, we've fallen into sin. Now we can get ourselves back into the life of of healthy, wholesome living because we're going to rectify what had happened and live our life in a better way moving forward, not allowing this sin to happen again, uh, not to so that we don't feel this guilt again. And that also could be very dangerous where the guilt spiral where it happens again and again and again, it's just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And then you get into things 
things that become repetitious. You get into routines and habits that are very, very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Well, and uh, with that, you you mentioned already that that guilt is uh, it can it can be very healthy in terms of as you said, rectifying or repenting from the thing that we have done that is wrong. Right. But um, how is that linked, Father, to contrition? And is contrition for our sins, is that at root of feeling? Is it a kind of a mental disposition? Is it an attitude? How would you define contrition for our sins? Well, I think contrition is that true sorrow. You know, we we often say, you know, again, like you think about what we're taught as children and what parents teach your children, you know, to go and to say you're sorry and mean it. You know, so you know, go and say you're sorry to your sister for having, you know, said this or done this. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, did you really did you really mean that? Yeah. No, you really didn't mean that. And parent, again, a parent knows that. But it, it's that thing of true contrition is, OK, am I just I feel guilty. So do I want to just get rid of this feeling or do I want to get rid of the deeper reality of what has caused this feeling of guilt in me? Uh, and true contrition gets us to that deeper reality because it's pulling in all of the facets of our life that were sort of neglected in getting us into what caused the sin that then resulted in the guilt. Mm-hmm. So if we are not pulling in in our true contrition, in our true sorrow, all of those different facets that it's affecting, you know, when it becomes, you know, our emotion, you know, the, our, 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 the mental reality of who we are, the physical aspects of who we are, the spiritual aspects of who we are, or what is being neglected in all of that, then you can say, okay, I feel this guilt and I did something to uh, sort of um, appease this guilt or to make it, to make myself not feel as guilty. But have I really taken care of what caused the guilt yeah. in its entirety? And I haven't. So when you talk about true contrition and true sorrow for what you've done and its connectedness to guilt, we can try to just get rid of a feeling of guilt versus letting the guilt process actually come full circle in us to make us a better person on the other side. And of course, we know in our beautiful Catholic faith that the way that that comes to fullness then is through the grace of God coming into us through sacramental confession and helping us to be, you know, that new man, that new woman made made even better by God and his goodness. Really good stuff here, Father. Again, we're talking about guilt and shame, navigating guilt and shame, the differences between the two and how guilt can be helpful in our spiritual life. But shame is, uh, and well, in and of itself, is saying something against the power of God uh, creating us in his image and likeness. And, uh, Father, just this connection between guilt and shame, um, and specifically, I guess, between guilt and contrition, we did have a caller call in and for an off-air question, which said, what should I do if I don't feel contrition for my sins? Any advice for that question? I think the the understanding is then it has to be deeper about, okay, so we have, for instance, the seven deadly sins or, you know, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue to be able to say, you know, we don't, these things shouldn't be in one's life or a person shouldn't be doing this because it omits us from, you know, true, wholesome, holy living. Oh, well, we may have lost Father there. We'll, we'll do our best to get him back on, but that's all right. We are heading into a break next and we'll pick up that question about contrition and not feeling contrition next up after our break but we are talking about guilt and shame here on the inner life navigating guilt and shame if you have uh, navigated this well have you if you've experienced 
guilt and that's prompted you to return to the sacrament confession, or perhaps you're experiencing some shame for something in your life and that's something that needs to be addressed and uh, and gotten rid of, F- please feel free to give us a call if you have a question about that, 888-914-9149, again, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we'll have more about navigating guilt and shame with our spiritual director, Father Alan Hoffa. We'll be back right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Welcome back to The Inner Life. You know, coming next Monday, the 11th, Relevant Radio invites you and your family to begin listening to our exciting new audio series, The Saints, Adventures in Faith and Courage. This brand new series from the Merry Beggars tells a new stories, new saints story every single week with five daily episodes. And they even come with activities for your kids. And best of all, it's free. So sign up to receive The Saints, Adventures of Faith and Courage to your inbox at thesaintspodcast.com. Again, that's thesaintspodcast.com, and I am looking forward to listening to the story of none other than St. Patrick himself. My name is Patrick Conley, and we are talking about navigating guilt and shame here on the program today with our spiritual director, Father Alan Hoffa, who has been giving us some great advice in terms of the differences between guilt and shame. If you have, if you have experiences with guilt or shame, how guilt has helped you, how shame has actually uh, played a de- detrimental role in your spiritual life, we'd love to hear from you. You can always give us a call and join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. All right, Father, we had a little technical glitch there, but we got you back, and um, you were just starting to explain about the difference, or excuse me, if I don't feel contrition for my sins. I mean, what's going on there, and how can someone move into a more contrite place? I think the one thing that is most important there is the ability to be able to see how our sin affects us and our relationships. And if a person is just looking at sin from the angle of what I do, what I do or don't do. And I, I check this box or I did check this box, uh, in terms of doing good or doing bad. Um, it's never going to be that way. It's never going to work that way. So our ability to be able to see ourselves in relationship, our relationship with God, relationship with self, with relationship with others, that can definitely lead us because it becomes that, that word offense, um, and what it causes in the breakdown of relationship. Of course, you know, again, it starts sin separates my, me from God. God is the constant and I am the one who either draws near to him or does things to, I do things myself to pull away from him. And the same thing, even within the relationship within myself and our relationship with other persons. So if a person is struggling to feel that contrition about something that they've done it's usually an invitation to see the deeper reality of, okay, yes, it says this on the list of things that I should not do, but why should I not do this? And mm-hmm. how is it affecting the relationships? 
And so sometimes it gives an, a person an opportunity for deeper introspection into their relationships, God, self, others, um, and just how that all, all comes together versus just treating it as these list of uh, sort of just rules that I follow and check the box and live my life that is supposed to end up in holiness and eventually get me to heaven. Yeah. So, I mean, even essentially just educating yourself about the detrimental effects of whatever sin it is that one is wrestling with. Um, how it affects the relationship with God and, and relationship with others, that is, according to what you're saying, as I'm understanding it, that's that can be tremendously helpful in building that contrition for those sins, yeah? 100%. Yeah, okay, very good. Let's go to the phones. We've got Alex who's calling in from Chicago. Alex, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Hi, thank you. Um, love your show. Thank you. Um, so I'm calling because... Um, your topic today, it like struck a chord with me. I am struggling with guilt um, from a past sin. Um, what I did was when I was younger, I played the Ouija board a lot. Somebody brought it to the school and we just all thought it was just so fun. And there was a movie that came out called The Craft around that time when I was uh, in school. And we thought it was so cool and we would try to do like seances and things like that. And I just feel like that had a very negative effect on my life. I made a lot of bad choices. And now, I mean, I went to confession. I pray. I pray for all the people that I did all those things with, but I can't get over that guilt. I think one of the big things, Alex, when that all happened, at least how you described the situation, you didn't know. You didn't know the, the gateway that that was. You didn't know all of the things that could be, could enter into your life through those things. But now you do. There came that point where you had that understanding of, wow, this is not good for me. Um, and again, guilt, once you find that out and you realize that you did something that you shouldn't, okay, we feel that guilt. But the, the, I think, again, the, we're, 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 here's the reality between guilt and shame one of the things and we bring into you know in to light the evil one working in all of this he will work to keep us in shame especially because of our past sin by sort of putting something upon us that is irrational if if we don't know we and we can get into discussions about invincible and invincible ignorance and things like that but basically if if you didn't know that something was wrong and you didn't have that proper guidance especially as a child how were you supposed to be able to combat that? But once you did, then you came to, you brought it to confession. Like you said, you prayed for those people. You did everything right. And the Lord rejoices in the fact that one, you've come to that knowledge. Two, you have repented for what happened, even though you were not fully knowledgeable, knowledgeable in the moment. And now you're moving forward in a way where you're not going back to whatever that that thing was. In this case, you know, the Ouija board and, and things of that nature. So I would I would definitely caution you in this one that there may be some imposition where the evil one is trying to keep you in that place of rehashing this sin over and over again, where you have been liberated from this sin, not only by sacramental confession, but also through knowledge, the understanding, again, we've been talking about a well-formed conscience, that now you know that this is not something that should be in my life, and 
some of the things that helps to also free us from what has happened in the past, like you said, you were praying for those people. But as we encounter others, we have the opportunity to help them stay on that road of holiness and to be understanding whether it's, you know, the, what we give to our children, to our family members, to, you know, in different areas where we're able to encounter the young, for instance, that they may not be knowledgeable of this. So now let's make them knowledgeable. And that is also a way to sort of rectify those things that happened in the past, but to give us a sense of, of, of goodness about our, our transformation and God's forgiveness and the power that he has instilled in us but at the same time, casting off what the evil one wants to do, which is to keep us in that cycle of, of shame, in that feeling of not being not being good because we did something in our past. God's taken care of that through sacramental confession. And so embrace that. But also because he has done good, you now are able to do good in his name because you've come to that knowledge. Mm. It's such a liberating thing to hear those words, even just to hear you say it to Alex, Father, is just, you know, God has liberated you. You know, he's set you free from mm. that. And it's a, it's, it is, it's such a great thing that I think all of us, all of us who count ourselves as sinners, <laughs> which definitely would include me, um, love, love to hear that, need to hear that. And Alex, I hope that that helps. And uh, we'll pray for you, Alex. We'll, we'll continue to uphold you in prayer that uh, you might be delivered from any kind of shame that the evil one is, is seeking to keep in your life going on right now. So thank you for the call, Alex. Appreciate that. And I think specifically maybe one of the follow-up questions I would have for you, Father, in that is that um, any other tactics for um, for getting rid of shame or any other of, of kind of turning away from uh, from the shame that the evil one would seek to impose because of past sins? Because I don't think Alex is alone on this, that there's some maybe particularly particular sins, um, maybe they tend to be more egregious than others, but that the devil would seek to use to bring up again and again and again and say, look at what you did, now aren't you a bad person? So any ways that we can move beyond that? It's interesting because it was just in the scriptures uh, that the passage where Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Right. Yeah. Um, you are not thinking as God does, but as human beings do. And I think that that is one of the things that when we are feeling that cycle of shame, it is an opportunity for us to come to know Christ better through our spiritual life. What is what does Christ actually think about me? What does Christ think about a sinful human being, uh, which which I am? And and again, that gets heightened in my awareness when I do actually commit sin. Uh, but our ability to actually name the one who is who is developing and who is coercing and who is manipulating this feeling of shame inside of me, it is the evil one. And yes, we can allow that to, to fester in our lives as well, but there's a lot where the evil one wants to do this. And, and our, there is a power in that. And I just spoke about this this weekend by virtue of our baptism. We have that power in us by virtue of our baptism to be able to say, Satan be gone. You have no place in my life. You are not. You are not welcomed here. Your your tricks, your deceit, it is not welcomed here in my life. But I think the the also the piece of that, and this is where I talk a lot about that process of conversion, um, the process of repentance. It's not only casting off the evil one and his tricks, but it's also turning toward the Lord and embracing Him in an even deeper way. And it's important when people are having that struggle. Um, of how they see themselves, especially in light of shame and light of sin, 
it is so important to use the saints. It is so important to mm -hmm. use the deepening of the spiritual life to be able to ask a very simple question that is so profound. How does God see me? And that's where we get, okay, yes, God sees what I've done, but God also sees who I am, which is the same person that he created me to be. And I also need to see myself in that way, because if I'm good enough to be seen by God in that way, then I'm, it's good enough for me to see myself in that way also. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily an easy thing, but a, a good question to ask and to continue meditating upon. I know that uh, just asking that question, especially while meditating upon a crucifix, is so incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. Not so much that, mm -hmm. you know, because I know I, even then I think um, I can be tempted down the road of, yeah, but it was my sin that put him there. But not hearing, you know, again, to me focused, not not hearing Jesus saying, I'm doing this out of love for you. Right. Um, and I, I think that yeah. that brings up a, a, another great point that you said about, like, some of these different tools. One of the things that I've been finding myself when people are holding on to these things, I remind them that it's so important for us to take those sins, those struggles, those feelings to the foot of the cross. Yeah. We often say, I don't want this in my life anywhere, but we make that declaration, but then we don't do anything with it. Like it's supposed to magically just dissipate into thin air. Mm. But the cross is there for us to be able to take all of those things that we have. And as I say to people, don't just go to the cross for show and tell. Hello, hello, Lord. This is my baggage. This is what I carry. I'm showing it to you now, but because it's become such a part of my life that I'm also going to take it back with me, which really doesn't do anything for us. That visual prayer, that visual encounter with Christ at the cross sometimes is so helpful to be able to say, I'm leaving my sense of shame. I'm yeah. leaving all this that I'm feeling. I'm leaving it here at the cross because you, when you took away my sin, it's not just the knowledge of or the, the sin. It's also everything that it comes with it that's intertwined with it you want it all yeah. so i'm going to listen to you i'm going to leave it here and then like you had reflected upon that feeling of of being liberated coming away from the confessional mm -hmm. it's when we leave it all there mm -hmm. and don't take bits and pieces with it uh, of it or all of it with us especially when it's something that's resided with us for so long that can be hard to part with but the alternative, because when we part with it, is so liberating and, and such an amazing feeling that that's why it's worth it. I'm thinking of the Samaritan woman in John 4 of leaving her bucket and, uh, mm. you know, then going. She just left it all there. Excellent, mm -hmm. excellent. Well, we could go on and on, but let's go back to the phones. Rhonda is calling in from the Detroit area in Michigan. Rhonda, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Oh, well, thank you. And um, I was just jotting down a lot of the notes. Because the question I have is how I have a young person in my life that um, that um, is dealing with shame. Her faith life is um, is is growing slightly, slightly. She she was baptized uh, Catholic and she has a rosary in her car, but she doesn't go to church. And there's just so much shame there that. You know, what things that I could do, and I just wrote down, you know, use the saints, how does God see me, leave the struggles at the cross. Is there any um, maybe recommendations that you could have for people that see all this with an individual? How can we help them move them closer to that? Mm. You know, I think that one of the first things, as I hear that question, especially for young people, are our young people so often today 
lack a basis for relationship and understanding, you know, we are filled with and inundated with all of these images of what a relationship looks like, but we really don't see the underpinnings of what real relationship looks like. And so building our children up, our young people up to form solid relationships, solid friendships, then leads on to being able to build a solid relationship with Christ. And in, in that solid relationship, then I realize how much I am dependent upon and I need Christ in my life. Then it leads into the desire for, you know, fuller, fuller connectedness to Christ in the sacraments, especially in the Eucharist and being able to be worthily uh, disposed to the Eucharist through sacramental confession. Um, I think the other thing, as you talk about, you know, with our young people, it not is only in that sense of of relationship, but that sense of, of purpose and understanding, you know, who, who I am and, and what I was made for. Uh, our, our young people are made for great things and it is a constant journey. They, they are, they have not reached the, the pinnacle or the height of their life, the prime of their life. There is so much more to go. And yet so, so many things become so concretized for them in their own mind and you have an instant, a second to make a decision that could, you know, d that could be define your reputation, for instance, um, you know, with social media and things like that. But it, it's this ever growing, ever changing world. And for our young people, as they are growing, that that understanding of, of who I am, then also once I, I have a grasp of that, it also leads into whose I am and, and I belong to the Lord. So that connectedness for our young people is, is also a great gift, connectedness relationship and understanding of, of who I am. And just for us as adults being around them, I think one of the great things is, is not only the consistency of our own spiritual life, our consistent, the consistency of our practice of the faith, but also a witness to faith. The, it, it's not telling them, you should go and do this so because here's going to be the outcome for you that that doesn't work it is i just i'm witnessing to the fact of what god has done in my life because once for our young people relationship is so important trust is so important and consistency is so important for the younger generations because if they don't see it they're not buying into it and let's face it they have so many options out there more the options grow more and more by the generations as they come along and so there has to be that sense of consistency there has to be that sense of believability trust relational connectedness and when we show and and testify by the very manner of our lives to what a relationship with christ can bring that makes it very palpable and very desirable for our young people but it's not about telling them what to do to get to this goal it's more about them, you know, we can help them if they're open to that. But a lot of times it is that consistency of our own manner of life that then they see that and it affects them in a positive way that they want that too. Wow. So much good advice, Father. And I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking about how applicable this is for my life and anybody who works with or loves has young people in their household. What a what a great bit of things that I'm going to have to chew on and work towards implementing. So, Rhonda, thank you for the call. Thank you for the, the great question. I'm sure you're not alone again in asking that 
about how we helped our young people get out of a sense of deep shame and uh, into an understanding of the relationship that the Lord desires to have with them. We're talking about navigating guilt and shame today here on the program. If you have an experience of shame for sin and you're looking to get out of that, give us a call. Ask the question, 888-914-9149. Or if you've seen guilt actually work in a positive spiritual way in your life to get you to the confessional to receive the mercies of God. Again, we'd love to hear from you, 888-914-9149. Again, our email address is relevantradio.com. We're going to take our next break, but we'll be back with more of The Inner Life right after this. Stay with us. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Zentovich producing our show today and Thomas Engeser taking your phone calls. And we're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Alan Hoffa, priest of the Diocese of Allentown and pastor of the Holy Guardian Angels Parish in Reading, Pennsylvania. So glad that you're with us, Father, to talk about navigating guilt and shame and wonderful things that have been coming up um, in our in our conversation, in the calls that we've had. Let's now go back to the phones. Anne is calling in from right there in Pennsylvania. Anne, thanks for calling. Welcome. Hello. Um, I'm actually calling because I thought that um, what happened with me is something that maybe will give, um, you know, uh, someone else the will or the faith that it can that you can be forgiven and you can get rid of the shame and the guilt. And um, briefly, I had, um, I, I honestly, I had a, a porn addiction for a lot of years. And in, in the beginning, it wasn't, you know, um, you know, it was just part of my marriage. It was part of a lot of different things. And um, I wasn't able to, to um, beat it. And I just kept going to confession, and then I would do it again, and then I would go to confession, I would do it again. And it was less and less, and eventually the shame and the guilt of that, doing that, and, you know, feeling so horrible about myself and realizing that, you know, you know I'm forgiven. If, if I can be forgiven I, by Jesus, by God, I need to forgive myself. And it took, it was a struggle, and it took time. But I want to tell people out there that you can... You can get there, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing with you, where you're living with yourself and you're loving yourself because you're loved and you're forgiven, and you really, really are, and really feel it. The, sh- the shame and, and the guilt is, is gone for me, but it, it did take some time. It maybe was a couple of years of <laughs> going to confession, having a great spiritual director, and it's just, you know, very, you know, it was, it was a positive thing. So I just wanted to give anyone out there who is struggling with something deep or dark. Um, you can do this. Just believe in Jesus' forgiveness, believe in his love, and put it at the cross. Satan's behind me. Get behind me. Father, a response to that? I mean, I know you do a lot of work in this area. Well, I, I, I think we should team up and go on the road together um, because that, <laughs> what, a beautiful, what a beautiful witness that is. Um, you know, I have found that the pervasiveness of pornography um, in so many people's lives. Pe- we are all 
whether directly or indirectly, each and every single human being is affected by pornography. And it, it doesn't mean that we've seen it, uh, but it could be because of someone else's seeing it. And when we understand that one of the things that has perpetuated what someone has done or the effects of a person's viewing of pornography, what it's done in their life, there is that that feeling of guilt and shame that, that can come upon it, come upon us. And it's more the shame that can keep a person in that cycle of, of loneliness, of continued use of pornography. And it's all about breaking the cycle. And we break the cycle with truth. And the greatest truth is the fact that Christ loves us, that he died for us, and that he wants to free us and be a part of that freedom that we have from that. So the process that she went through, uh, that Anne went through, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it is an, a process that is available to each and every one of us. But I think also one of the things that, you know, to, to bring into there is it's not only the the shame, that shame can not only be destructive for the sinner, but also shame can be warped for a person affected by another person's sin. And when in this issue of pornography, it, it is a very true reality because one of the things that I've sort of found myself specializing in within our ministry is working with others in helping a lot of times, again, it's a male, pornography is a male and a female issue. It's growing in women actually. Uh, but stereotypically, the issue is you know, a, a husband is using pornography and the wife finds out and she is affected with what we call betrayal trauma. Mm. And that could also lead to a shame. But what we found is, is that a lot of times that shame is connected to a, a family of origin uh, trauma or issue, even a sin that has never been resolved, that's been sort of uh, you know, kept in that they've, they pushed down and now it's coming out and there's all of these feelings. And again, it just becomes this distortion about who I am. And it is far from a beloved son, a beloved daughter of the father. And so it's so important for us to be able to name that feeling of shame and, and it's identifying that distortion of, of, of who I am. Let the guilt propel you. And it sounds like that, that, for Anne, she made that separation. The, the the shame was no longer going to have a control over her. She said, get behind me, Satan. And she came to that freeing experience of, of sacramental confession and rejected this life of, of sin with pornography. And now she finds herself liberated and free. Mm -hmm. So it, it is a process. And like she said, she sought out a spiritual director. She went to confession. The church is there to be able to help. And I, I've also found that, you know, it's it a lot of times it takes that first step of courage to opening the door, you know, knock and the door will be open to you. We it is important for us to knock and the door and what is open to us in Christ is a vast amount of resources and assistance through the church to be able to help us to figure out why we're feeling that shame, what is going on within that that understanding of our shame and to be to, to change in light of it, but to let our guilt also propel us to reparation to uh, our sorrow and contrition and living a better life. Mm. 
Very good. And uh, we're all agreeing here in the in the sound booth that uh, that was a great call. So thank you so much for calling into the inner life and sharing as you did. And it just you can experience you can you can hear the uh, the triumph of the cross, the triumph of God in in what you said and what, how you testified there. And so thank you for that. And Father, we also had um, Michael send us an email and he said he began somewhat of a porn addiction midway through high school, carried it through college until the year after college while going on and off to confession throughout. Uh, He says that guilt took him to confession. Sometimes shame was involved, but God carried me through it. He said he cut a cold turkey when he got married that same year after college, did a multi-day novena to St. Joseph in the process, relapsed maybe three to four times, recently got Covenant Eyes software to help both me and my wife uh, since we're both, uh, we both had problems with it. And in, he closes it by saying it's just so easy to access these days. And I know maybe we can return, Father, to the work that you do with Integrity Restored. Maybe, um, maybe you can just give a, a little bit more about the resources because this is, you said, everyone's affected by it one way or another. And um, this is a huge place, I know, where the enemy seeks to impart that shame that will keep us farther and farther away from God. Yeah, we we talk about the A's connected with pornography. You know, it's it's aggressiveness, it's the the anonymous aspect of it, it's addictiveness, the affordability. You know, it's free. That again, that word. You know, that it's so accessible um, out there for so many. And our work at Integrity Restored, and there are so many others um, that we're blessed to walk alongside and sort of we're all finding our different niche in this battle. Uh, Like, you know, he mentioned using Covenant Eyes, you know, great. The folks over at Covenant Eyes are doing great things. One of the places where we direct uh, for parents especially is Defend Young Minds. Um, That They have other on the front lines of for our young children, um, helping parents navigate stuff with the Internet devices and stuff like that. But if you go to our our website, integrityrestored.com, we have a ton of resources that are there. Um, You know, new new things that just came out from our executive director, Jim O'Day, in connection to everything with the... um, uh, the Sound of Freedom movie and everything with human trafficking. Mm. Oftentimes, one of the things is we we don't make the connections, and I think this is this is the part we don't make the connections of. We see that there's all of this divorce. Uh, we see that there's broken homes. We see that there's even situations where our young people are are struggling with all different issues within their sexuality um, and the, their understanding of themselves. We see that there is a loneliness for widows and widowers, um, and pornography is affecting them. In in truth, uh, you know, there are this affects so many different facets of society. The biggest thing is is that. While there are opportunities where we can go and you, you can do things like covenant eyes or you can, you know, pray a novena to St. Joseph, being able to have a person walk with you because the first thing that that does is it means that you need to open your mouth to someone else and you need to say, I have a problem with pornography. Mm-hmm. And the moment that you do that, it breaks the devil's hold because he works on our secrets. And the moment that something that we're doing that's sinful, whether it's pornography or if it's something else, the the moment that it's no longer a secret, it loses so much of its power because now we're bringing it to someone who can be a part of our process of healing, our process of help, our process of hope. And of course, again, the church is here to be able to walk with us and help us in that. So great, Father, and we will link Integrity Restored in our show notes, too, for anybody who's uh, seeking to 
yeah, find out more about Integrity Restored and help or help with overcoming uh, pornography addiction. Father, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, we always like to close the show with a blessing from you. So if you would, please. My brothers and sisters, we ask the Lord's blessings upon each and every one of you that we all might be separated from the shame that the devil seeks to impart that we might embrace the truth about who we are as sons and daughters of God, and that our guilt may help to propel us to be reconciled truly to God so that we can find the best of relationship with God, with ourselves, and others. And may this be sealed and strengthened through the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.